We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. I'm sitting at my little first grade desk. I'm working really hard on the worksheet that my teacher has given to me. All of the other students are working hard on theirs. The classroom smells like school. I don't know how else to describe that smell, but you know that combination of chalk and cleaning supplies and crayons and glue. That's what I remember. And we were working on how to write our letters. We were working on the letter H in particular. And I thought that it would be a really great idea for me to be able to tell my teacher how you shouldn't write the letter H. And so on the back of my paper, I wrote the letter H in a very skimpompous, odd, misformed way. And I ran up to my teacher and I said, see teacher, this is not how you're supposed to write the letter H. And she said, well, yes, that, that's right, Troy. You, you need to go back and sit in your seat and keep doing your work. That was the end of the memory. That's all I remember. But the feeling that I felt in that moment was shame. I felt like I had done something bad. There was no indication from my teacher other than maybe the tone of her voice and the look on her face that she wasn't that impressed with what I had done. But I was so pleased with my thought that this is how you're not supposed to do something. And I thought she would be just as pleased with my handwriting faux pas as I was, but she wasn't impressed. And I could see the look on her face and immediately I felt the sense of shame and I went back to my desk and although I didn't have a name for it at the time, the judge had shown up and started to tell me, why'd you do that? That was dumb. She probably thinks you're an idiot. You were just embarrassing yourself. I think that was really stupid. I look back at that now and I don't remember anything else about my first grade class. I don't even remember the teacher's name. I do remember we watched one movie and for whatever reason, I found this piece of gravel on the ground and I thought it would be great to shove it up my nose. And so I did. It was stuck there for several days until I was at a friend's birthday party and we were sitting in his downstairs basement watching another movie in the dark and I finally was able to pull the little rock out. But other than that, I don't remember anything else about my first grade experience. I remember a lot about kindergarten and second grade and third grade and fourth grade, but I don't remember anything else in first grade except for that one experience with me writing the letter H wrong and the shame that followed it. The reason why I'm sharing that with you is because it has something to do with the question of the week. And the question of the week is... Does shame help motivate us to do something differently? In my little example, in my seven, six, seven-year-old mind, I thought that showing you how not to do something was this profound idea. It was a great idea. And I thought my teacher would be impressed. 
She wasn't impressed, and then I immediately felt shame. I remember in the fourth grade that one of the cutest girls in the class, Emily, had the most amazing handwriting, and the teachers were always commenting on how wonderful her handwriting was. She got a lot of praise and recognition for her beautiful handwriting. I liked especially how she wrote the letter E. She had this little slanty thing that she did with E, and I thought that was a great thing to do, and so I started to mimic it. I wanted to be noticed for having good handwriting too, and so I would practice and try to write in a way that looked neat, not because I wanted it to be legible, and not because I really wanted anyone to be able to read what I wrote, but I was doing it because I wanted that recognition. I wanted. Some evidence that I was enough, and handwriting was one of the ways that I tried to get that. So when we're looking at shame, sometimes we have a, a, a shameful experience. Sometimes we're rejected or neglected or embarrassed in one way or another, and that evokes the sense of shame. And then we use that shame to try and motivate us to do something better. I was feeling like I wasn't enough. I saw that Emily was getting recognition for her amazing handwriting, and my brain made this connection that if I had amazing handwriting, that I too would be able to be recognized, and so that motivated me to be able to write a little better so that I could get the praise. There are stories all over the place about people who didn't get picked for their football team, or who didn't get picked to be first chair in the orchestra, or who didn't get picked to be the class president or whatever. There's a big wound of rejection around that, and that rejection wound actually pushed them to go farther. It pushed them to achieve their goals. It pushed them in ways that maybe they wouldn't have been pushed if they hadn't faced that rejection. We've talked about before that it's not the bad things that happen to us that cause us problems. It's the stories that we believe about ourselves as a result. If you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, you know that I was—I've been watching American Idol and all of those other competition shows lately. One of the highlights that they have been doing on American Idol is highlighting some of the people who didn't make it. And there was one particular candidate who was trying out for American Idol who had an amazing voice, but it wasn't a great fit for American Idol. It was a better fit for a Broadway stage, and so they told her no. And you could see the disappointment in her face. You could see the rejection that came for her. What they tried to tell her was, "Well, you're not good fit for here, but it doesn't mean that you're not a good fit for somewhere else." What shame tends to do is show up and say, "You're not a good fit anywhere. You are lousy. You're not good enough." And then the impotent one shows up and says that you should stop trying. You shouldn't continue to try. But what? We sometimes do, and there's research to show that we do this. That sense of shame can initially become a motivator for us. We want to prove the shadows wrong, so we stand on the scale and we look at our weight, and we hear the judge say, "You're too fat," or "You're too skinny," and all of a sudden we want to prove that judge wrong. We would say, well, you know what? Let me show you. I can go on a diet. I can change the way that I eat. I can do things. I can work out, or I can do whatever I need to do, and I can change my body shape. And I'm going to prove you wrong. And at the beginning, that is a great idea. Sometimes shame is what pushes us 
into change. The problem is that it's not going to work for the long term. If we use shame as our primary motivator, if we use those shadows of shame as our cheerleaders, it's not going to work in the long term. For example, if I'm working on changing my diet, and one of the things that I want to change is not eating as much sugar, shame can drive me to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to eat any more sugar ever. And the moment that I slip, the moment that I accidentally put a Skittle in my mouth, or the moment that I see that somebody made a birthday cake and I want to be a part of the group and so I eat a piece of the birthday cake with them, the moment I do that, shame shows up and beats me up and tells me how awful I am. The judge tells me, well, I failed. And the impotent one says, I don't even know why you bother. You shouldn't even try to set this goal. And so although it maybe was a lofty goal in the beginning to want to be more healthy, which was driven probably by a sense of rejection or some wound that drove me to do that, in the end, if I use shame as my motivator, it is not going to be sustainable. I'm going to lose and I'm going to feel more rejected and I'm going to feel more abandoned and betrayed and abused. All those wounds that maybe I've been trying to avoid getting hit are going to be even more raw because I've been using shame as the motivator. Shame only initially pushes us to change. You've heard stories of somebody who has seen themselves on the television and said, I was so ashamed at how I looked and so I decided to do a drastic change and they were successful. They were able to change it. So shame drove them to begin the change, but I'm almost willing to bet that shame was not what helped them stay on board. Several years ago, there was a news story about the 500-pound virgin and that this man had lost all of this weight. He worked with a fitness trainer to lose all of his weight. He worked out every day. He started to coach other people on how to lose weight. Everything was wonderful on the outside. But he says in his article that on the inside, he hadn't overcome that sense of shame. He hadn't overcome that sense of not being enough. And so very gradually, he began to put the weight back on because he didn't manage the shame. Shame drove him to lose weight in the beginning, but in the end, it caused him to return to previous behaviors. So if shame isn't the lasting answer for helping us change the parts of ourselves that we don't like anymore, what is? And honestly, the part that really helps us change for good is being able to connect with our core truth that we are enough. If I can connect with my core truth that I am enough, that I matter, that I have value, that I have significance in this world, if I can connect with that and I do that from a place of love, then I want to change the things that need to be changed because obviously we all have things that we want to improve on. There's all kinds of parts of us that we want to do better. But if I'm able to do that from an approach of love and kindness, connecting with my core value that I matter and that I'm worth it, that is much more sustainable. If I'm working on a trajectory and trying to change something and I slip and I fall, if I'm able to connect with I'm worth it and I matter and that I, I'm loved and I'm cared for and I have light, it is so much easier for me to be able to pick myself up and look in the mirror and say, you know what? I made a mistake. It's okay. We can keep moving forward and we're not going to give up. We have more power in the light. We have more power in 
the love that comes from connecting with our core truth. Shame tries to mask all of that. It gives us the message that we're not enough or that we are too much. And in the process, it deflates the energy that we need to continue to keep going. When I was in high school, it was my senior year, and we were uh, they were doing some activity for the seniors with my church group. And it was just the guys. And they had one of those big, I don't know even what they call them, but one of those gigantic beach balls that are super big. Earth balls, I think they call them. And they're playing some version of soccer. If you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know that I've struggled with not feeling good enough. And so there was a lot of shame and there was a lot of embarrassment. I wanted to prove to these guys that I knew what I was doing. And so I was a maniac out on the field. And at one point... I tried to hit the earth ball with my top of my head, and I nearly broke my neck. It knocked me flat out on my back. I looked up. There's all these boys who were looking down at me, and they're, some of them are laughing at me, and some of them are looking with concern. And the emotion that I felt at that time was that red hot heat that just went from the top of my head all the way down to my toes with that sense of shame, like I failed again. Shame was driving me to behave in a way that I could get attention and recognition with the thought that, oh, wow, they are going to be so impressed with me. They're going to value me. But in the end, it knocked me on my back and knocked the breath out of me. And that's what shame does. In the beginning, it may drive us to achieve and work harder. But if we don't shift to a larger purpose, if we don't shift to a place of light and love, shame is going to knock us on our back and we're not going to get up very well. We need to practice that self-compassion and remind ourselves that we are enough. When you look at the stories of individuals who experienced wounds of rejection and they tell you what their story is, they don't spend a whole lot of time saying, I wanted to prove that those people were wrong. That may have been the initial motivation for why they were working so hard. I want to prove to them that they were wrong. But in the end, that isn't what they focus on. They focus on what talents and abilities and gifts they have. And they work on developing those talents and gifts and abilities so that they can continue to bless the world. They may have been what pushed them to try harder. But in the end, if their whole motivation was, I'm going to prove to you that I'm better than you, it's not going to work. If they say, I'm going to prove to me that I can grow and I can develop and I can change and I can work hard and I can achieve my goals and dreams because I matter, because this is important to me, because I'm passionate about that. That is really what drives and sustains ongoing behavior. So I'd like to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you whether shame has motivated you to change any behaviors and how lasting that change was with shame being the cheerleader versus how successful have you been in facilitating change and experiencing goals and achieving your outcomes that you wanted from a place of love and truth that you're enough and that you have things to contribute and you can bless the world. I'd love to hear your experiences with that. So send me an email and let me know. I would love to hear that. If you've really enjoyed this or other episodes of the Finding Peace podcast, please be willing to share this with your friends. I'd love to be able to connect with them as well. You are worthy of love and belonging. You matter. And I'm hoping that you will find peace always. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. 
If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to TroyLLove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a 5-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.